Wish you had more space in your home? Use MakeSpace. They'll pick up, store, and deliver your stuff. Get started at MakeSpace.com and use the code CHICAGO50, that's CHICAGO50, to get $50 of free storage. It is the Dynasty Podcast Panelcast Series. My name is Haima Black. I host this podcast at DynastyPodcast.com. This week, the Freelancing in the Social Age online streaming panelcast. Featuring Britt Julius and Leah Pickett. Here's how that sounds. Hi, I'm Black from Dynasty Podcast, hosting a live Dynasty panel cast today here at the Dynasty Podcast YouTube channel. And I am joined today by two very talented guests, uh, Britt Julius, Leah Pickett, uh, both freelance journalists, um, contributors in a lot of media aspects here in Chicago. Uh, between the two of you guys, you have contributed to some really big names Outlets like WBEZ, the Chicago Reader, Time Out Chicago, Pitchfork, BuzzFeed, Chicago Tribune. It, it's a very impressive resume between the two of you and for each of you. So we're going to be talking to both of you guys today. The topic of this panel, my um, panel by the cast, topic of this panel cast is freelancing in the So uh, Leah and Brett, thank you guys so much for taking some time to, uh, to chat with me today. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. Um, so I know I just kind of did a quick introduction for the two of you guys, but I would love if you guys could kind of go in a little bit more depth and detail about, about who you are, what you guys do, all that kind of stuff, so that anyone watching the live and you know, checking it out after the fact on SoundCloud or YouTube, so that people really have a sense of who you guys are and, and, and your you know, really impressive experience levels. Okay. You go first. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I am uh, born and uh, raised in Chicago um, and Oak Park as well. Um, and uh, I'm a freelance writer. Um, and uh, I also have a day job. Actually, I work uh, a nine to five day job, um, and then I do lots of freelance writing on the side. Um, and I have pretty much since um, well, I interned in college, and then uh, I did a lot of it. Starting about like a year after um, I was in college, I took a year off working at an art museum. And uh, in terms of writing, I do a lot of writing that revolves around uh, arts, culture, race, uh, race, uh, ethnicity, um, things like that, um, and fashion. I started off primarily covering uh, dance because I was a dancer for about uh, 10 plus years, and then uh, doing lots of uh, arts coverage, arts reviews. Uh, artist essays before, like catalogs and things like that. Yeah, and uh, now I just write for uh, different publications, including uh, WBEZ, which um, I work there with uh, Leah as well. So, and we also host a podcast together um, with Allison Cuddy <laughs> about television. We're big TV nerds. And uh, we, uh, yeah, so primarily writing for them three times a week and then also doing uh, work for um, Pitchfork, um, doing work for uh, Flaunt Magazine, for BuzzFeed, for a variety of different places. Basically, whoever will uh, have me and allow me to sort of talk about whatever. Cool. All right. Yeah. So me, actually, I didn't know that you were a dancer, Britt. I was yeah. a ballet dancer really? as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. For 15 years um, in high school and I was going to go professional, yeah. but then I decided to be a writer instead. So I went to college and I studied at Columbia here in Chicago. Um, and then as soon as I graduated, I started writing for the Chicago Tribune doing dining reviews. 
and then I started working at WBEZ in January of this year. Um, and yeah, I've just been kind of freelance writing since then, writing for numerous publications. I've done some stuff for the reader, um, Thought Catalog, which now is run by one of our friends and former colleagues, Nico Lang. Um, yeah, so I just I just keep writing and discovering new things, and now I'm doing the podcast, Changing Channels. Uh, so now we got two plugs in there. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm just a kind of a huge pop culture nerd. I write mostly about film, television, um, also dining, uh, and um, culture just in general, like how people are coming together in this new millennial world that we have going on. So that's me. Uh, quick question for you guys. Are you still seeing me? It, it told me for a second we were experiencing network broadcast problems. Are you seeing me though? Yeah, I see you. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. I think I think we're I think it's past that. So awesome. Um, and I know you guys just kind of touched on this really quickly, but how did you really determine that you wanted to become, you know, to become journalists, to work in media, to to do freelancing? Like, how did that sort of decision? happen for each of you where you decided that it it was something you were interested in and then and then something that you were really going to pursue professionally i i always kind of knew that i wanted to be um a writer i've uh, said this a lot like like on my blog i actually just said it yesterday like i always kept like a diary um i thought that i was going to be more of like a screenwriter but i knew that i wanted to write in some capacity um, and, uh, I mean, I've been doing journalism really since like my high school's newspaper. Um, so it's sort of, and I was an English major in school and I also studied rhetoric. So I kind of always knew that I uh, wanted to be a writer and that I always wanted to go into that field. Um, I didn't see myself as being a freelance writer though. I always thought that I was going to get like a staff position at some magazine and sort of work my way up to the top to be an editor. And I've realized now that that's not really uh, what I want to do in terms of writing. Yeah, and I, I always kind of, it's funny because I, I didn't think when I was younger that I was going to be a professional writer. I just liked writing for fun. I would write little short stories with illustrations in them that I think my parents still have. Um, so I was writing stories as early as five years old and um, I had some poetry in this poetry book for children and I, I did prose competitions and stuff but I always I just didn't think of writing as a practical career I guess when I was younger um somehow I thought dancing or acting was a more practical career I really don't know why um so I, I dabbled in those things as well and then when it came down to it in college I realized wow like I really love writing and I went to film school I've always been a huge film and tv nerd um and Jim DeRogatis is actually one of my teachers and he encouraged me to pursue writing further so um so I did and started pretty much at the tail end of college. I, I started really getting interested in screenwriting and reviewing the arts. And those things kind of came together. I still write screenplays, but right now I'm really focused on pop culture writing, film and television writing. And I've discovered um, critics that I really admire. Emily Nassbaum of The New Yorker is one of my favorites. Also Mo Ryan of The Huffington Post. She's great. So all these female writers that really inspired me to pursue critique and then obviously the the late roger ebert has always been a big inspiration of mine too so um yeah i just decided to go for it why not and i really love what i'm doing now yeah i mean it sounds like it's really worked out very well for both of you guys and it looks that way you know seeing your body of work hearing you talk about it do you think that journalism you know as an industry as a, a pursuit a career you think it's easier or harder to get into that now than it was maybe 
five or ten years ago because there's more outlets for it and anyone can start a blog but there's less you know uh, paid positions staff positions things like that leah do you want to yeah, I'll go. For, I'll go first this time. Um, yeah, you know that that is tough because I get I get asked that question a lot. Um, like, how do you make money? Like, also like the the paid jobs are um, in journalism are just going away. Everyone's asking you to write for free. So I don't think it's best time to be in J school. I mean, to be honest, but I also think that if you decide to go that route there are endless possibilities coming. It's just a new frontier. Everything's just going online. I think that newspapers will always live, but not in the print form. They will just, they'll just move to a digital platform. I mean, everybody needs news somehow. Um, so I think that journalism is still a very noble profession. I feel like you can find jobs in journalism. It just takes a lot more hustle. You know, there's not as many jobs now. So you just have to my advice, I guess, would be to just like submit everywhere. Um, if you have a writing portfolio, just like put it out there because people are people still want good writers. The, the the written word is still just as powerful as ever. It's just not in the physical, tangible form as often that it used to be. I agree with that, like one thousand. <laughs> um, I just, I mean, I I kind of always felt like. I was never going to go to like journalism school for, for grad school. And, and I know why some people do, I think for certain types of like reporting, it's really necessary, but I, I, I kind of always have felt like too, kind of like what Leah said, that it really is about like the hustle and, um, and uh, everyone I know who is doing well, well, I mean, it, they might not have like a, like a full-time job as a journalist, but, um, they're still, you know, maybe like working full time as a freelance writer or doing like tons and tons of freelance work on the side. They, um, you know, they are out there hustling. They're getting their name out there. Um, you know, they have their clips available online. They're writing for extremely small publications. You know, they're taking on assignments that, you know, seem really, really silly or, or even just, you know, you're not really getting like paid for them, but they're doing it because they're, they're getting their name out there. And nowadays, you know, that's what's really important in, in terms of uh, sort of being successful when you don't have those traditional sort of newsrooms as your cushioning. Man, I mean, you guys just brought up so many, I wanna ask you like six questions <laughs> of what you just brought up. Um, so I'm gonna try to remember all these in my head. These are questions that are not on my list. These are things that just in response to what you just said, in no order, let's, let's hit some of these things. Uh, working for free, writing for free, thoughts on that because on the one hand you don't want to get labeled as the journalist or the writer or the freelancer or the blogger whatever that will just write anything for free and will work as hard as possible for free forever and then no one has any incentive to pay you on the other hand you don't want to just wait to get paid because if that's the first thing you're waiting for you're going to fall behind and you're going to be waiting a long time so how do you navigate that very tricky space between between building your hustle, going out there, getting your name out there and, and building up your experience and, you know, going after it versus not wanting to work for free and wanting to build up a level of, you know, my, my time and my talents are worth something. Well, if you're, if you're good at what you do, you should be getting paid for it, just like any other job. But I think to get those paying jobs, they're going to want to see a portfolio of your work. They're going to want to see what you've written. And it's, it's even better if it's not just 
an essay that you wrote for school, if it's something that you wrote for a publication. And the best way to get started doing that is by writing for free. It's the best way to get experience, um, to get editor feedback, to get audience feedback. Um, the first thing that I started writing for before I wrote for the Chicago Tribune and Be Easy um, was my friend's webzine. And this is a great way to get involved if you have writer friends. They're looking for people to write for them for free. And some of these out there are great. Like I, I wrote for Popstash, which is an online music um, aggregate. It, it, you know, it's run by my friends from Columbia. So I felt like I was also helping them out while they were helping me out as well by building my resume so I could show employers my clips. Like I wrote for this webzine, so it looked nice and professional. And yeah, I wasn't getting paid for it, but it helped me get a paying job by saying, these are the film reviews that I've done. These are the music reviews that I've done. So it helped get my foot in the door. So I would say doing unpaid writing, especially if it's about stuff that you love and it's for a cause that you support is totally worth it. Yeah. I think, you know, um, like I started off like in internships at a Venus Zine, which, knows, which is no longer around, but a, a Alarm Magazine, um, Time Out Chicago, Chicago Tribune, did not get paid for any of those, but I got phenomenal clips, which you know, friends who did not have those sort of internships would, you know, basically like kill for it. It'd be like, oh, okay, I was published in the Chicago Tribune, you know, by the time I was 21. And, uh, and, and so for me, I knew that like starting off and, you know, not having gone to like NYU or Columbia, you know, being in New York, having all of those major media contacts that I was going to have to show people first and foremost that I was a really great writer. And I find now that like people, even though like, I feel like, you know, they'll be like, oh, you're a great writer. Um, they, they like seeing that you've done a lot. And I did a lot. I think I was also like sort of in, uh, I had the advantage of, it sounds when it, at the time it didn't sound like an advantage, but I moved home with my parents um, after college for two years. So I was not paying rent. So I couldn't find a full-time job. I was interning and then like doing part-time jobs and that sort of uh i was in the privilege of working essentially for free or i could do like writing and and not feel like um i was working i had to like hustle to to pay my rent um so i was able to write about whatever i wanted to to find out like what sort of areas you know i was most interested in and and that allowed me to be like okay this is the sort of writer that i want to be I think like, you know, like having like, you know, working with uh, WBEZ since like January, um, I mean, I know like a lot of the writing that they were probably like looking at that I had done in the past was was for free or from, you know, my own personal blog, which again is for free. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if I didn't have any of those clips and present them as professionally, you know, as possible and, and, and care about them as if I was getting paid $600 for the article, I don't know that I would have gotten the same opportunity. Well, something that is is being mentioned a lot in, in what all of us are talking about is you're talking about basically having a portfolio, having a body of work. And, you know, I, I do some speaking at colleges, and I don't know that that always necessarily, like, gets across, that there is, that it's so essential to have not only, like, to, to gain the experience, but also showcase you. Because people are not just going to know inherently that you work for WBZ or that you worked for the Chicago Tribune or you wrote for Time Out Chicago. So like talk about the art of, of putting your work out there, of showcasing your, you know, your body of, um, of experience and letting people see that so that, you know, you're putting your talent out there. 
Well, Britt, I know, has a great Tumblr, which she can talk about. But I think it's so important to have, like, a personal site that you go to. Because if you're a freelancer, you're, you know, you're a contract for hire. You're not technically an employee, you know, of where you're writing, whether it be the Tribune or WBEZ or whatnot. You write for them, but you, you're your own person, your own entity. And I think that is so important if you're trying to have a career as a writer, especially a freelance writer, to establish yourself, you know, like, in my case, like, um, I have a website, leahpickett.com, where you can go to and you can see the, all the work that I've done, not just with WBEZ, but also um, the other publications that, I, that I've um, written for in the past. So I think it's important to establish yourself as a brand. And I know we, we're going to talk about that today, branding. I think that's really important to put your name out there, not just as, oh, Leah, that blogger who sometimes blogs for this publication, but... As a, as a writer with a, with a whole body of experience, you know, I, I don't just write about film and TV. I also write about these other things, too. So I think that's really important in terms of getting your name out there, especially if you want to be published later on, want to be a published author, which is what I'm trying to get into now and sort of move up in the freelance writing world. And in the digital age, I feel like a, you're having your own site is the new resume. I mean, they go to your site and that's like your resume. So it's so important to have your site look and represent you as well as possible. Yeah, yeah. I had like, um, I mean, I've had a Tumblr for like five years, but um, it it wasn't until maybe my um, senior year, so like the year after my year of uh, of uh, my uh, into college, where I was like, okay, I need to have like a website of um, my clips. One because I wasn't working in like New York, so I didn't sort of have that in into that media world. Um, but also I think like in terms of like the type of writing that I wanted to do, I wanted to be able to, to show immediately that I had done lots of dance writing or I had done lots of, you know, essay based writing and I could reference things really easily. I have a lot of friends that are freelance writers that don't have websites. And, um, I, I mean like how they work around it is, is maybe like different than how I work around it. And I think like, we just do different types of writing period. So um, it, it's it's different for them maybe because they're doing like like music coverage compared to um, uh, myself where a lot of it is sort of uh, a lot of like essay writing, a lot of feature writing, a lot of uh, opinion based pieces where I kind of have to show like what my thoughts were in the past. Yeah. Well, let's talk about platform because that's something that it really have got covered you know obviously you're in print or online but you know you're also contributors i believe on wbez and you guys also both podcast so how important is it now to to be cross-platform in your journalist journalistic work because before i think you get away with like i'm strictly a writer or maybe like you're i'm strictly a video producer i'm strictly in radio and now i think you almost have to kind of be all things on some level to really stay competitive to be in the media world i do think that you have to kind of go if you want to get your voice out there i mean i kind of consider myself a storyteller first and foremost so writing is my main medium but if you really want to make it as a writer i also think that you should get into radio get into podcasting um get into storytelling like go to these storytelling events all throughout chicago and new york and elsewhere um because i think that's really what a, a, a good writer should be as a storyteller on all fronts um and it's it's funny that you mentioned that because i had never done any radio before i joined wbez and like my first weekend i had to go on with rick kogan i'd never been on the radio before in my life 
and I'd never done a podcast until this Changing Channels podcast. So there's definitely a learning curve there. I had to learn how to like talk on the radio and I had to learn that whole language and that whole world that had been foreign to me before. But I think it's really important if you want your work to get out there to learn how to do that. I haven't come across like being on television yet, but maybe that would be the next frontier. And of course I'd have to learn that whole world as well. Um, I'm familiar with the film world because I went to film school, um, but there's all these different elements that I think go into, if you're a writer, how to market yourself, how to learn all these different ways. Uh, I think it's important to learn how to be a good speaker um, and to convey your story in that spoken word form as well. Yeah, I would agree. I think, um... I mean, I guess it, I, I love what Leah said about being like a storyteller because it, God, it sounds, I know in my head it sounds like really like douchey, but <laughs> to me it, it just like that's, that's just sort of like writing, you know, or that's sort of like what I, what I always wanted to do. And so um, it's sort of like regardless of the medium, if you're, if you're telling the story that you want to tell, then, then that's, you know, what you need to do and, and what needs to be done. And so, you know, I was really into photography when I was in college. Um, I hosted a radio show um, with Brooklyn Radio um, when I was also in college. And, uh, you know, I, I, had, I didn't have any, I didn't have like a lot of like traditional radio um, experience, but uh, when they were sort of like, okay, you're going to have to do this, you're going to be on air, I was sort of like, okay, yeah, sure, totally. Like, if that's what needs to be done, then that's what needs to be done. And I'm so on board with it. Um, and I, I think that, you know, there are a lot of writers out there who are just, you know, very strictly just writing and, and nothing else. But I think that if you, you know, if you're like, uh, if you're like me, if you're like Leah and you think of yourself as like a storyteller, then you have to be open and, and have to be familiar with a variety of different um, mediums in terms of doing that actual storytelling. Well, and, and alongside that, to, to really, like, kind of accompany that is I, I feel like the entry rate has never been lower in a good way. In that, like, if you want to learn video, you can shoot it on your, on your phone and post it to YouTube. And I'm not saying that that's the same as, like, I don't know, like a Christopher Nolan movie, but it's a start, you know? Like, and it used to be that you had to have a very expensive camera and, and probably, like, you know, all sorts of equipment to be able to do that. You can post a, a podcast to SoundCloud. You can start a blog on Tumblr or WordPress. And so much of the entry-level, you know, first stage of all these different platforms is free. You know, like, what's – how valuable is that now? Because it, it really was not like that before. And I think that there's a generation that doesn't even realize the power of these tools that they have before them because they just grew up on them and they kind of take it for granted. Yeah, in this day and age, like, anybody can be a storyteller. And for me, the term storyteller seems so, like, archaic, like some man with a cane on a mountaintop telling stories. Like, that's kind of what I think about. But like, like, now it's, just, it's totally changed because, like, yeah, if you have YouTube, um, you can make your own blog for free on Tumblr or WordPress, and you can your voice can reach out to millions, potentially. I think the number one problem people have is, like, well, how do I get an audience? Like, I have this site. I have this YouTube channel. Um how do I get people to listen and read what I have to say? And I think that the number one way to do that is just reach out, you know, like I think podcasts 
tend to become more successful when you like collaborate with other podcasts and same with YouTube. If you make like group YouTube videos and like subscribe to people you like and start a conversation, I feel like networking is so important. And I know that's like, oh, everyone hates that word because that's what everybody tells you and all the LinkedIn profiles say networking, networking, networking. But it's kind of true. I mean, by going out and meeting people, also IRL in real life, uh, I've met a lot of people through these storytelling events in Chicago that are writers, and they give me really great advice and say, you should talk to this person, you should email this person. Um, so I just get connecting with your, the writer community wherever you are is very important. And then even like when, if you have like a YouTube channel, say, um, connecting with other YouTube channels that are successful and being like, Hey, can we do like a joint video or something like that? Or, or just, just get involved as much as you can. And then your readership or your audience, whatever it may be, will grow. I think that like, you know, that the fact that it's easier to get into any of these fields is sort of game changing. Um, I know that my first paid writing assignment came because someone saw my Tumblr and they liked what I had to say about um, some of my favorite artists like Lorna Simpson. Um, and uh, my the radio show that I had with Brooklyn Radio came about because I used to post uh, mixes on my blog and it would, they would be like theme mixes, like, you know, songs about teens, songs about like, you know, summer love, things like that. Um, so I feel like it, the the important thing is that I think people should, you know, be authentic in terms of what they're saying. And even if it seems like you're not really getting any audience, it, it's, you know, if you're being authentic, if you're being honest, and if you're putting your heart into it, I think you have a better chance of being successful at it than um, sort of trying to, you know, uh, calculate everything. Because it is, you know, because the, the fact that it's free and the fact that, um, it's sort of really accessible means that you can sort of make it what you want to. Yeah. No, I mean, you guys are, are dead on with all these things. And something that kind of goes along with this is, you know, especially with what you were just talking about, Britt, is really developing your voice, you know. And, and you guys know what I mean by that. But what I mean by that really is, like, becoming an authentic storyteller or becoming, like, kind of the go-to source for maybe one thing. Maybe people are just like, oh my God, if you want to read about food in Chicago, you follow this person. If you want to read about the sports scene here, the music scene here, or TV here, you know, and, and you become that person. And people can really 100% detect bullshit online, especially like on Twitter. And if you try to be an expert on something you're just not, people will, they'll sniff through it like immediately. So how important is it to really like, develop a voice, become an expert in something or a few things, and just, you know, hand in hand with authenticity, let people know what you're about. Um, yeah. You can go, right? <laughs> okay. Um, I think the weird thing about, like, developing a voice is that I never thought that I ever was developing a voice. I mean, I think now I can, I can recognize it because I've been, you know, writing in some capacities since I was, like, 16. Um, like in, in, I mean, like it's like my high school newspaper, but, uh, uh, it was the sort of thing where when I started off and trying to do more traditional, um, news outlets, a lot of places were just sort of like, 
there's too much of your voice in it. And I've always had an issue in terms of adapting to, you know, the standards of certain, um, you know, websites or publications. And even when I don't mention, you know, I or me or whatever, they're always just saying like, like, I can really feel your opinion about this, you know, <laughs> issue. even if it's just like a straightforward, like story about some art installation, it's just, it's there. And, um, you know, a lot of people told me that that was not the right thing to do, that I had to like get rid of that. But I kind of have always felt that if I got rid of that, it just, it would really ruin me as a writer because I wouldn't know how to write at all, period. And I think by sticking with that, it's been really, um, it's, it's been beneficial. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I think, my, I guess my, I can recognize that my voice is kind of like, I, I tend to write as if I'm a, as if you could like read it out loud. Um, it's sort of like, like I kind of had like a spoken word background too. So a lot of times it sounds as if you're sort of just, it's got like this repetitive, repetitive, uh, repetitiveness to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, in terms of developing it, it was very much just about sticking to what I felt was right. And then by sticking to it, it's, I've been successful, um, in the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love what you had to say there because it's it's so true, and I think that's one of the great things about being a freelancer, you know, because I actually never really wanted to be a straight journalist, you know, like a reporter, because you do have to be very impartial and unbiased and just report the story, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I think when you're reporting the news, that's how it should be. I just know that's not for me because I'm a very opinionated person, and I always have a say in everything, and I don't like feeling like I have to stifle that part of myself. So turning to reviews and things like that, and, and WBEZ gives us this great opportunity as bloggers to um, speak our voice and be our true authentic selves and say our opinion about pretty much whatever we want, which I really like to do because I feel like my voice is a little feisty, very feminist, very, <laughs> sometimes I can be a little snarky. I try not to go overboard. Um, Cause I don't, I don't also, I'm like very cognizant of people's feelings and I don't want to say something that'll ostracize a group um, because I, I want everyone to feel loved and included. But at the same time, I do kind of have a sharp view on, on things that I think are important. So, and I like to zero in on them and be very opinionated about them. So I feel like I, being a freelancer is perfect for me. I think that one day maybe I will do something that is like of a, of a whole different ball game. Um, but I know it will always be on the same through line, which will be writing and telling stories. Like I know I'm always going to be doing that now. I think as you grow older, you figure out who you are and what matters to you and what's important and, and how you want to impact the world. And I know that I want to impact the world by telling stories, what Avenue that will be. I don't know. I do love writing, but um, I'm open to seeing where it will take you. And I think that everybody should be open to that too, because the world is changing so fast and, um, the internet obviously is becoming this huge behemoth and I like writing about the internet a lot because I'm like, where is it going? I feel like it impacts us so much. So yeah, just be open to new experiences, but also be true to yourself. I think that's so important. I mean, a, a thousand percent. I mean, you guys are dead on with all this and especially Leah with what you were just saying about, you know, your storytelling is going to evolve. It'll, it'll, you know, surface on new platforms as they become more and more prevalent over, you know, in the future. And I mean, just looking at this, like my background is in radio. I worked in uh, Q101 radio for 13 years. I never really did any video or visual work. 
I have no video experience. And you know, Google Hangouts, like just doing this broadcast over Google Hangouts, over YouTube, this was a great tool that I had zero um, training or preparation for. And I just said, you know what? This is an awesome new platform. I'm just going to go for it, learn as I go, learn on the fly, and I, and I love it. And, and it came from being open to new platforms instead of just saying like, well, I'm just radio. I'm just going to stay in this corner where I feel safe and not branch out into different platforms. So I think that that's so essential if you want to be able to evolve because things are changing really, really quickly, as I'm sure you guys have seen and, and see all the time. Yeah. Let's talk about the social media side of things because obviously social media, it's just a given that it's an everyday part of life, you know. I think that some people, though, they think that social media is just Facebook or maybe just Facebook and Twitter. I don't see it that way. I think that it's a lot more than that. Like, how do you guys view social media? You know, and this is a large question, but as it relates to your, your freelancing careers, your, your voice that you develop, and is there even a separation anymore? Reading anything and you're posting anything on Facebook, is there some level of like, well, publicly, I am you know, Brit Julius, freelance writer, even when I post something that I feel like is candid, this is still a representation of me online professionally because there's almost no separation, right? Right, yeah. yeah. There's no, for me, there's, there's, a, there's no separation. And um, I, uh, I've always tried to be, or I've always tried to, whatever platform I'm using, it just, I, I don't like to use them in any sort of calculated effort. I think the only calculated effort that I have now is just sort of retweeting when people say like, oh, I like this story and, and that's pretty much it. But um, in the past, it was always very much sort of like, if I'm going to sound crass, I'm going to sound crass. If I'm going to sound really uh, emotional, uh, I'm going to be emotional. Um, and that's just how it is. And um, thus far, it hasn't really uh, gotten me into too much trouble, a little bit of trouble maybe, but not, mm -hmm. uh, not too much. And um, it's actually been um, sort of beneficial, I think, in terms of opportunities for freelancing or just sort of getting my name out there. Um, for example, like I've written about Michelle Obama a lot in the past because she's like, she's like my queen pretty much. Because <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs> and uh, I got into like a kind of like an argument with this guy on Twitter um, about her. And I was just like, I was like, no, you're wrong. Da -da -da -da, just like really going in on him, which... I didn't really need to do, but I, I kind of had felt like I had to defend her. And that led to me appearing on um, WTTW Chicago tonight because the a producer saw it and she was just like, you know, I, I want to get someone on who is really passionate about Michelle Obama and really follows her and everything she does. And she's like, and you clearly have that. And so that, I mean, and that happened within like five hours. So I don't know. I've always felt like in terms of social media, like, more than just sort of um, using it to, to like post links or more than using it just to like, uh, can I curse bitch yeah. and moan? Um, <laughs> more than bitch and moan, I think it can be really good to, uh, a really good platform to just kind of, I don't know, be yourself and, and, and let loose and people will respond to you if you are yourself rather than if you're using it in some sort of calculated manner. Yeah, I, I think not to interrupt because I know we're in the middle of the two of you, um, you know, offering your thoughts, but I just think that there's something that's really 
I see people misusing like Twitter, for example, all the time because they follow maybe 10 people and all they post is links to their work and there's no conversation. And I'm just like, oh my God, like you're gonna drown. You have to engage. It has to be all about engagement. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And some people, you know, they go to work and they're like their work selves and then they come home and they're their real selves and then they can post, they can just go wild on Twitter and Facebook. But Or like what you were saying, like you know, they go on Twitter only to post their work and they never show their real self. Um, similar to Brit, like I, I mean, I post my work on my Twitter and my Facebook and stuff, but I also post things like I'm excited about something or if I found a cool link somewhere, I post that. If someone asks me a question on Twitter, I respond, you know, um, I recently freaked out because I like tweeted Emily Nussbaum and she like favorited me and we had a conversation back and forth and I was like fangirling. And like, I think it's so important to like not have that distinction if you're a freelance writer, just like, you and your work are like one and the same. You're not like separate from that. Like you are just your own person. Like you're just you. And I feel like if you're like that on Twitter, Facebook, and any other social media platform you use, and most people use a lot, if you're, you know, wanting to establish yourself and say, this is my personality, this is me, and make that your career, um, you should kind of be all over the place um, in terms of different social media sites, but you should always be your true authentic self because like you said, people can detect bullshit really quickly and you don't want to try to be somebody that you're not anyway because that's not any kind of life to live. No, it's no fun. No. Um, you know, we're going to kind of do maybe one or two other questions. I don't want to keep you guys all day. And this is this is great conversation. I feel like we could just do a nine-hour panel about this and not ever really retread things. But let's talk about community online and, and community in your, in your social network, in your online network, in your real-life network. How important is that to, you know, just looking at it from the professional side, like let alone the, the social, you know, enjoyment of knowing other people, but professionally, how important is it to build a community online? How do you do that? How do you not just acquire it, but also maintain it? Because it's not something, it's, it's like a baby or a pet, like you can't feed it one day and then be like, all right, I'm done feeding this. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to keep updating it, um, always be there, always be present. Um, and I said earlier at the top of the, the segment, just like reaching out to people. Because um, sometimes you kind of feel alone in it if you're a freelancer because you don't, well, I don't, I can speak for myself. I don't have like a nine to five job per se. I do a bunch of different things. I do editing, I do writing, obviously, um, podcasting. So sometimes you don't feel like a community unless you reach out and you find it for yourself with other writers. Um, cause a lot of my friends aren't writers. Um, so as much as I love them, they can't always like relate to like my schedule and what I have to do. Um, so once I started getting in with like the storytelling scene and meeting other writers in Chicago and all around the world, it's so helpful because you can get advice. You can also support them. They support you. Um, it's also really great to have a you know, a mentor or someone that you look up to and to say, I think that's so important. Um, and, you know, to, and you can be a mentor to others too, um, or a, a peer. Cause I don't think you would necessarily have to be like way older than someone to be a mentor. It's just, if you have more experience, you can kind of impart that knowledge forward and, you know, pay it forward as they say. Um, and yeah, it's really, I think it's so important to have a community around you and people that you look up to that you can ask for help and advice. Um, that would, and that has really helped me, I know. Yeah, I think I've, I like, I've, um, you know, especially through, uh, through Twitter and through Tumblr, I've found really, a really great community, well, a couple of really great communities, one of, uh, black female writers and, um, 
you know, it's really great to, to have that community too, because not just, not just because, um, you know, writing stories and, and maybe they'll relate to them, but, um, I think just, just that general support, um, there's not a lot of black women writers that are out there. And so, um, it's really great to get feedback. It's really great to know that they are listening. And, and I think like all of us, we're sort of just really like not very competitive at all and very much just like we're all in this together not to quote high school musical um <laughs> and uh um yeah i've i've always just felt like reaching out to people who i admire people who i think you know create the sort of like writing or or films or music that i really respond to and um and talking to them not from a perspective in which i'm trying to you know, be like, oh, hey, I could write for your publication, but just, you know, talking to them as if they're real people because they're real people. Um, that's always sort of, for me, been the best approach. So I don't like to think of it as like a, an approach. It's more just sort of like, oh my God, she just posted some crazy tweet. Looking at the rest of her tweets, they're also like really crazy and awesome. Gotta follow her. And then maybe, you know, in that case, you're then like, you know, joining another community or you're finding someone else who can be a part of your own community. I, I think you just nailed it with, with treat real people like real, real people. I think that's such a key to, really you could apply that, that advice anywhere. It's, it's just great to keep in mind, but in the, in the media and journalism world, I think that's important. It's easy to lose sight of, you know, I see people start to take it too competitively or they think that they're the best, they think they're the only one doing it, or they just lose touch with their with their audience. And I think treat people, treat real people like real people. I think that's fantastic. There's so much we could talk about with this. I feel like we could go all day, but we've really covered some great ground and both of you guys have been fantastic in this panel. So I wanna ask you, you know, kind of before we close out, you know, if there's anything we haven't touched on, like what's your 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 best last advice for anybody Who's, who's considering, you know, breaking into freelancing, starting blogging, becoming, you know, starting to work on some independent media work or maybe pursue it more professionally. Just anybody in any of those stages, what's the best thing that they can remember if they're gonna, if they're gonna start being a journalist, if they're gonna start being a freelancer? Um, my advice would be just to do, just to do whatever you want to do. Don't worry about whether or not you're gonna be successful at you know, so if you want to be a writer, just write, write wherever you want to write, write in whatever platform you want to write, even if it's just your diary. I have like 75 diaries, you know, from like the age of eight, but it's, I can go back to them and I see like ideas forming that, you know, that I write about now. And it's like, I was thinking about this when I was 18 years old, but now I'm actually writing about it in some real capacity. You never know like where anything is going to, um, you know, where, where anything's going to lead you. So it's really good to, to just do what you, to just do what you want to do, what you're thinking would be, you know, it's going to be your, your interest or your passion, because, you know, when you just are thinking about it, who, who knows, like no one knows what you're thinking, but if you're doing it, they can actually see it and maybe you can be more successful at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, that's, that's something that I've kind of when I finally decided I wanted to be a writer. I'm like, well, this is what I really want to do. I've been writing stories since I was four years old. I don't know why I put, didn't put two and two together until this point. I, I think I'd also add, I'll just borrow a line from JK Rowling, uh, who said that write what you know. And I think she probably borrowed that line from someone else. Uh, that's a very at least standard like writer 
advice, but in case you haven't heard it, write what you know, because I think a lot of people who want to become a writer to get all caught up in their head, like, what am I going to write about? And are people going to like it? And is it meaningful enough? And if you love, like with me, like I've always loved film. So writing about film is like so easy for me and I know it. So I, I feel like I write very well about film because that is what I know. That's what I spent four years in school studying. That's what I love. If you try to write about some like high, you know, pollutant thing that you don't really understand that's like highbrow above your head and it'll come across in your writing and you won't be happy doing it. So I'd say write what you know, write what you love, be passionate, follow your passion and just know that you know, life's too short not to do something that you love to do. If you want to be a writer, go for it. There's plenty of avenues for writers now, very exciting ones. I think it's a really exciting time to be a writer, actually. Um, I think that, yeah, there are some problems in the newspaper industry in particular, but I think writers are really dominating right now. I think people listen to them. I think that they're, they're, they have these powerful voices that people listen to. And I, I think that if you want to be a writer, it's a really good idea. I will support you. Um, I love it. All this was great. You guys are fantastic guests. And again, thank you both so much for taking some time to really share really fantastic advice and, and really great experience that you guys have. And, um, you know, it's, it's obvious why both of you have found so much success. Uh, what are some places that people can follow your work? What's the best place for people to be able to check you guys out, whether it's Twitter, whether it's your WBZ blogs, Tumblr, anything? Um, well, you can follow both of us on WBEZ yeah. for starters. Yeah. If you go to the top on the blog section, you can find both of our, you know, um, our archives of everything that we've written. Um, I go by Briticisms everywhere online. So if you just, honestly, if you just Google Briticisms, you'll find everything. So um, the good and the bad. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of late to the Twitter game. So when I got on Twitter, uh, someone had already taken the name Leah Pickett. So I'm Leah K. Pickett. And my website is leahpickett.com, and I have pretty much everything else I've ever done there. Uh, so those are probably the best places to follow me, too. And, um, yeah, keep, keep following us if you like us. And we have this new podcast, Changing Channels, about television. Uh, it's on the WBEZ.org website and iTunes as well. It's awesome. Um, yeah, it's really fun. We get real nerdy. <laughs> that is awesome, man. Uh, well, you guys have been fantastic. Uh, Britt, Julius, Leah Pickett, thank you guys so much for joining us here on Dynasty Podcast for a live uh, digital panel cast here at youtube.com slash Dynasty Podcast. After this broadcast is over in a couple minutes, we're going to archive the video at dynastypodcast.com. Uh, the audio from this will go up at soundcloud.com slash Dynasty Podcast, so people will be able to check this out um, whenever is convenient for them. And really, again, thank you guys both so much for taking the time. Thank you. This was great. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, you guys have a great afternoon and let's do this again sometime, like six months, a year from now, I bet we'll have all new things to talk about. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks guys. Thanks. Thank you. This has been the dynasty podcast panel cast series. Thanks to Britt Julius and Leah Pickett for being on the live stream. You can find more podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Haima Black, Dynasty Descend.